Before we get started, I have an important message. If you're on Medicare or about to be, you don't want to go it alone. And you don't want to just call the first guy who sends you a postcard. My husband did that, and he wound up with some bad advice that costs us a penalty each month that will never go away. So what can you do? Contact one of our member experts by going to certifiedmedicareagents.com and searching your state for an agent. You'll be able to look through our member agents and read about them. Then you can reach out to the agent or broker you select directly through the site. Now, one thing you should know is other sites who do this sell your information to 15 or more agents so you can get hundreds of unwanted phone calls. Not so with CertifiedMedicareAgents.com. You'll only be contacted by one agent, and if there is a problem, I may personally reach out to you, but generally you will only hear from the one agent you select. So head on over there right now before you forget and find a qualified and certified agent that can help you today. Now, let's start our program. Welcome back to the Rocky Retirement Show. I'm your host, Kathy Klein, and today we have two co-hosts in this first series on living overseas. If you've considered living overseas, you must listen to this series. In today's episode, we'll talk about why you might want to live overseas, especially if you've lost money in the stock market or in the value of your home, and you don't feel like you can ever afford to retire. In next week's episode, we're talking about the five things you must do before you pack your bags to live overseas. In the third episode of the series, we'll talk about where to retire. Many of us want a place where not only we can afford to live comfortably, but also where we can have other like-minded people we can be friends with. We'll discuss where Americans are retiring and why. In the fourth episode, we'll discuss one particular country, Ecuador, and why my co-host decided to move there. And one little tidbit, I had actually considered moving to Ecuador as well, probably the same place where they lived, and that's a little place called Cuenca. But we'll talk about that in the fourth episode. You might be worried about retiring here in the U.S. because you haven't saved enough money. Or you might have a friend who's in a tight situation. Or you might like the slower lifestyle that an out-of-the-U.S. retirement brings. If any of these situations are yours, then you can stick around for all four episodes. My guest today is actually two guests. They're a power couple when it comes to living overseas. Not only have they written hundreds of articles on the subject, but they also have three best-selling Amazon books, which we'll tell you about in a minute. But before we start, I wanted to tell you that this episode is brought to you by the Medicare Quick Step-by-Step -step Guide for Signing Up for Medicare. 
If you're signing up for Medicare for the very first time, you already know how confusing it can be. This step-by-step -step guide is absolutely free and will help you easily make the transition into Medicare. Get it free at medicarequick.com checklist. And best yet, I'm the founder of Medicare Quick and I love helping people just like you with their Medicare. Okay, I'm not gonna make you wait any longer. Let's go ahead and bring on Ed and Cynthia Staten. Thank you both so much for coming on the show to tell your story. So tell me what happened that made you decide to move overseas? Well, hi, Kathy, and thanks for having us. Hey uh, I'll, let, I'll let Ed answer that question so that we're not both talking at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> well, basically what happened to us was um, a year called 2008, the Great Recession has got different names. We call it the economic tsunami. Right. Basically, swept us away we were at the height of our career only a few years from retirement thought we had a really solid plan in place until we didn't all of a sudden we both lost our not only our jobs basically our industries went away wait what uh, industries were you in well cynthia was in luxury real estate in las vegas and I was involved with the auto finance business and nobody was buying cars and certainly no one was buying luxury homes in Las Vegas. So they were oh just, gosh. it just went away. Our investments were in free fall. Las Vegas was one of the hardest hit in the country as far as home value. So our home value plummeted to really, it lost two thirds of its value like overnight. So that was the beginning. We thought at first, oh, no problem. We're highly skilled individuals. We'll just find another job. Find another job. <laughs> well, there were no other jobs. So especially for people over fifty. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and that we're at the height of their earning level as well. We just found out that we weren't um, desirable commodities anymore. <laughs> so after months of no work and watching, living off of savings, something had to give. And we decided that our best bet was to move somewhere with a lower cost of living. But when I told Cynthia that that meant moving out of the country. Um, I said, what? <laughs> <laughs> moving out of the country? How can we actually do that? So that was, the, that was the beginning of us trying to figure out what we were going to do next. So Ed, what gave you the idea that you could even move out of the country? Because well, here's the thing. We had part of our retirement plan was actually to chase the weather and maybe own fractional properties at different places and just go where the weather was nice all the time. We're from the south, but we never liked cold weather and moving to Las Vegas after four years of that, we certainly had our fill of hot weather. Right. So we had discovered that we're kind of Goldilocks people weather-wise that we don't like it too hot or too cold. We like it just right. So the idea of moving or living abroad wasn't new to us, but the circumstances just really, the timetable changed and the, the circumstances changed, but the idea wasn't brand new to us. Now, when you were living in Las Vegas and the whole 2008 fiasco happened, was your house paid for or were you still making mortgage payments? How did, how did that work? 
it was not paid for and we were making mortgage payments and, and we um, kind of bought at the top of the market but at that time <laughs> there was no top of the market it just kept things kept going up and up and up right i remember i was here <laughs> I, yeah, I think we all remember at this at this age my husband and i bought a house in 2008 after we got married and we bought in san diego oh. so we bought at the top of the market also but you know, thank goodness our situation was a little bit different because mm -hmm. we didn't buy in the heart of San Diego where, I mean, you can't even get a shack there for, mm -hmm. I don't even want to say how much, but um, we experienced our home falling. And at that time we explored moving overseas. Now we were in a little bit such a different situation because I was looking at moving overseas because of the slower lifestyle. And because of the money is, I mean, let, let's be honest, the, the money is a, is a thing too, but thank goodness we are financially independent regardless of whether we live in the U.S. or overseas. Well, good so, for you. Yeah. So how did he talk you into it? Because when I was talking to my husband, his thing was, I'm not moving to a third world country. I, I don't care. That's not going to happen. So Ed, how did you talk Cynthia or Cynthia do you want to tell the story yes. of how he talked to you I, into it? yes I, I, I'll be happy to do that I Ed has often given me credit for doing one thing really well uh, regarding this whole decision about what we were going to do going forward and I uh, when the when the shock wore off about moving to another country I thought well you know what if we're going to decide that we're going to just uproot everything we know we're going to sit down and make a list of everything we want in our new home. I'm just not going to move somewhere for a lower cost of living. That's, that doesn't, uh, that one thing isn't enough for the, the quality of life that most people I think are looking for. So we sat down, we made a list, uh, we call it our wish list. And this is what we encourage everybody that's considering this idea to do, to do a self-assessment, so to speak. And then we got online and started looking at countries to, to check all our boxes. And right. that's when we found Cuenca, Ecuador. Of all places. We'd never, heard, we'd never heard of Cuenca, Ecuador. And we're going to talk more about Cuenca on that last episode, because <laughs> I know right. we've got tons to say about yeah. that little part of the world. But so how did you create that list? And, and I know that you do have a course that people can take if they're planning on moving overseas. Do you, do you have a, the beginnings of the list or? We basically tell people how to go about doing this. I'll let Ed chime in on how we came up with our list since uh, he mentioned earlier, uh, the idea of living abroad in retirement wasn't something new to us. It was uh, we, or was not? It was not. It we, we thought in retirement, and I don't think we're that unusual. I think a lot of people think that they at least may travel in retirement. Exactly. So that's what we were talking about doing. Uh, so, Ed, you want to talk about how we came up with our wish list? Yeah, and to back up just a little bit from that, the interesting thing about this whole idea of creating a wish list, so many people probably in their whole life have never truly asked themselves, what do I want? What do I want? Not what does my boss want, my husband or wife, my family, society, whatever. What do I want for reasons that either 
it's like, well, what difference does it make? It's not going to happen anyway. Or you're just so caught up in the overwhelming North American lifestyle that it never even occurs to you. So it's kind of daunting for some people to actually do that. But there's some really basic things that you need to keep in mind. Of course, the lower cost of living for a lot of people is going to be a driver. There are some people that would do it just for the adventure. But that's that's a very small number of people that have the wherewithal just to have unlimited choices. Yeah, unlimited yeah. choices. So un so that's one thing. As we mentioned, the weather, that's something that you actually get to choose. It's not like you hate the summer and you hate the winter and you really love the spring and fall. There are lots of places that have, including where we live, spring-like weather all year long. Yeah, so temperate climate, that was something we were looking for. Another you thing is like weather. Yeah, if you are close to your family, not necessarily geographically, but in your heart, then how far away do you want to be from those people? And that's what I found the number one. I don't know if you know this or not. My audience knows, but I'm a retired financial advisor. And the number one thing when I would tell my clients and I had lots of clients who did not save enough money. They, they just didn't. And now they're in their mid to late sixties. And I would talk to them and say, look, you, you're not going to be able to afford to live where you're living. You're going to either have to get roommates or you're going to have to move. And I would suggest to people because you can, you and I know this, you can live on social security in another country where it's very difficult to do that anywhere in the US. Exactly. And so I would, I would tell them, consider moving overseas. And the number, one, the number one reason why people wouldn't do it is I wanna be close to my grandkids. Right. And number two is I wanna be able to take my pets. And so what did you do about that number one? you know, do you have grandkids? You know, my husband and I, we don't have grandkids, so we didn't have to worry about that. But what about you? Well, we do now, but when we made this decision to move to Ecuador, we did not have grandchildren. We anticipated having them. We, that was part of our budgeting to make sure that we had enough money budgeted for travel to go back when the babies were born. And uh, the great thing about us being retired is that we had the time. And so it's not just the money, it's the time to actually go and be with those family members that are so close to you in important times in their life. And I think that's, that's maybe not a consideration that people think about if they decide to continue working and being tied to a job, if they're not independently employed, that you only have a certain amount of time away from your job that you can spend with those family members. So how often did you think that you would want to travel back to the U.S. to be with family? Like in the beginning, a year, twice a year? Uh, in the beginning, when the babies were little, more like four times a year. Okay. And then how, how long did you, did you stay? Sometimes a month at a time, sometimes longer. Yeah, this particular trip, we're talking to you right now from our daughter's home in New Jersey. We just got here the end of last week. We're here for five weeks. And That's most great. people, if they have a job, the most you're going to have is three weeks vacation the whole year. So we do multiple weeks, multiple times a year. So that's part of the fallacy of this. I mean, if you live down the street from your family in 
come over and have chicken dinner or roast beef or whatever every Sunday. <laughs> That's a different deal. But in our situation, we lived in Vegas. Our, our two kids lived in the East Coast area, North Carolina and New Jersey. So we were traveling anyway, right? We couldn't just bebop over for a weekend. a weekend or to babysit or whatever. So if you're really close geographically and in your heart, then yes, moving abroad is a super tough decision. But yeah. if you're traveling anyway, you're just traveling a little more. There's, this, there's a, a 20th century conception that living overseas is so far and so expensive and so this, that, and the other. But we spoke to someone just a week or so ago that was shocked that her trip from Houston to New Jersey was more expensive than ours from Ecuador to New Jersey. And ours <laughs> only took another hour or hour and a half flying. So there's just a mindset that this is so out there, whereas the reality is it's not as unusual or weird as it might, or isolating as it might seem. Hmm, interesting. And then there's also technologies that we have now, like I'm talking to you through Zoom right now. We can see each other's faces and you can do the same thing with Skype, FaceTime. Well, I don't know about FaceTime. Can people FaceTime you if you're in another country? I don't, I, I don't have an Apple phone. Um, um, well, we don't either, but uh, WhatsApp. WhatsApp. Most, most of the rest of the world uses WhatsApp and that you can do FaceTime on Facebook that. Facebook Messenger, you can do all we, sorts of things. We, uh, we use Skype, video Skype, and that's how we talk to our grandchildren all the time. Find out what they did in school or uh, what, their, what their play date was about. So it's uh, the connectivity is not an issue if you make it a priority in your life. Right. Okay, so the family thing is that another one for people our age is healthcare, of course. That's a huge concern for people, no matter where they live as they get older. A shocker for most people is to find out that healthcare outside the States is super affordable. It's comparable, if not in a number of cases, better than the U.S., certainly as far as the lack of bureaucracy. It's just, and they're English speaking doctors. So it, that again is something that's more in your head than in reality about how awful that could be to be in a, like you, a third, world, a third world, country. world country. So let me just jump in here about that. Many people that live in the US have a misconception if they haven't traveled very much that the rest of the world, maybe with the exception of a few places is third world. But the reality, Kathy, is that um, much of Ecuador is rural, but the big cities, Cuenca being the third largest city, um, is a city like many other cities in the U.S. And that was on our wish list, too, to live in a place that had culture, uh, access to excellent health care, all of those things you would expect in a larger city. Hmm. So... So you did, and we'll, we'll, again, we'll talk about more about Cuenca in the last episode, because I'd love to, you know, talk to you about that, since that was a place that I had looked at as well. One of the things that Les brought up, my husband, was that even though there are expat areas where you have Americans and Canadians and people from England, and they all speak English, 
but you still need to know some Spanish if you're going to a Spanish speaking country. Otherwise, you won't be able to, you know, find out where the rest, where, where the restrooms are. I mean, I know how to say that, but <laughs> <laughs> what did you do about learning the language? Because, you know, I always hear people when people come to the U.S. and they don't learn, they're like, well, they should learn English. Uh, <laughs> yes. And they say it like that, right? <laughs> they do say it like that. Yeah. yeah. So you know, the older we get, the harder it is to learn a language. So are you just hanging out with other expat Americans and English speaking, or did you learn Spanish? Well, the idea was that we were going to learn Spanish before we showed up and, and the ideal best circumstance. Laid, the best laid plans. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. But you know, we just had a lot to do packing up our whole life and getting to Ecuador. So the, uh, the language uh, lessons sort of went to the back burner and then off the stove altogether. And when we got there, um, we knew a little bit. Don't you start Los Banos? We knew how to find the bathroom. Right. We, we've, we've always gotten home and we've always uh, been able to order something in a restaurant. We have lots of funny stories and we can talk about that later. But uh, Ed, I'll let you jump in about the, the goal for a new language if you're going to a country, you know, that isn't primarily English. Yeah, honestly, we arrived with what I call Taco Bell level Spanish. Okay. And... <laughs> and feared that we were going to perish but it turned out that um ecuadorians at least enjoy um charades and and playing hangman with little ones <laughs> so what ends up happening kathy is if you choose to become fluent that's a choice and that you chose not, not to be fluent well that was that was not on our wish list the weather and the health care but become fluent in a second language wasn't. What turns out to be true is that functional is more than enough. It's good enough. You yeah, just, you, you do your best with what you've got. Do you so, use Google Translate? Yes. I use that all the time. That's how we talk to our landlord because he, his, you know, what learning English wasn't part of his bucket list and, and learning Spanish wasn't part of our bucket list. So, when he comes and we need to chat about something, we just get on Google Google Translate. It's I love that. It reminds me of Star Trek. Yeah. Yeah, a universal do, translator. We do not <laughs> talk into a smartphone and then hold it up and have. Oh, it. I I do that. No, we don't. Need, we don't. <laughs> we don't do that. We go for it with what we got, and our our Spanish has kind of progressed from. Taco Bell level to Tarzan Spanish. Hey, it's, whatever it, works. You know, it's I all had, present tense. I had neighbors when I lived in San Diego, not direct neighbors, but they lived in my neighborhood and they were from China. Oh. And I think they spoke Mandarin and they did not speak one word of English. And we would talk to them using Google Translate. And so yeah. we would talk into the phone and then they would talk into the phone and then we would talk into the phone. And it also would, uh, Put it out in writing in addition to saying it so so yeah there are ways to get a, get around so so basically you would recommend that if you aren't planning on learning the language to maybe live in a place where they already have expats yeah that's a good idea uh not just for the language um but it's um 
what we found, and certainly we didn't we didn't know all this when we decided to uh, to live abroad. It's important that you find and recreate your sense of community, whatever that means to you, because you're going to want to know people and meet people, and whether they're native English speakers, if that's your language, or whether they're bilingual locals, it doesn't really matter, but you, you want to find that commonality. And that's why it's important uh, to think about living in a place that has somewhat of an established expat community. You're gonna feel more comfortable, not, uh, not again, just with the language, but just with everything. People that share the same customs, the same upbringing, in terms of, okay, it's 4th of July, what are we going to do? We live, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And, and so when you have a sense of community and share that, you can recreate some of your traditions. That's great. Anything you want to add, Ed? Well, we just haven't met in our almost 10 years abroad that many people that want to go totally off the grid and just immerse themselves in a culture in some small rural village, I guess, because we don't go to the small rural villages. But um, most people, like Cynthia said, want to have some, some version of your previous life and not just feel like that you've got to toss it all and, and, and never be anything like a North American again. That, if that's your goal, you can certainly do that. But I think most people want some hybridized version of what they are, the culture and situation in which they find themselves and the one that they left behind. Right. And that's certainly possible all over the world. Well, that is a great way to end this episode. But before we do, I just, I have a question for you. Hi. So you're now living in what is considered a third world country. What, yes. what are, like, do you, do you live in poverty? Do you, do you go out to eat? Are you struggling to make ends meet? How, what is your typical week look like so that the listener can get an idea of what it's like to live, you know, overseas versus where they're living now? Okay. Um, we do not live in poverty. Even though our budget is paid for by our Social Security benefits. So, do you mind telling us how much that is? <clears throat> our budget is just right under two thousand dollars a month. Okay. Our Social Security. We have a little left over from our Social Security. We we do have a little bit more than that. Um, we live in a penthouse apartment. Wow. We our lifestyle is suits us really well. I. Uh, belong to a yoga studio, Ed goes to the gym, we eat out, oh, three or four times a week, and um, we, a lot of the entertainment, art galleries, symphony, it's, uh, it's free, there's no charge for that, so we have a lot of culture in our life. I know, yeah. I, have, I have a weekly housekeeper, which is great wow. for me. Wow, that's I don't nice. Have, I don't have to worry about the taking care of the apartment. We, because of our temperate climate, we have a walkable lifestyle, and we, we've been there almost a decade, so there's a lot right about our choice. That's Ed, did great. you want to add anything? 
No, it's totally true. And beyond all those um, amenities that Cynthia mentioned, we live a totally stress-free, worry-free life, basically. It's just, a lot healthier. Yeah, of course it is. We feel like we're in better health than when we arrived, and we weren't in bad health when we arrived a decade ago. But you just can't understand until you get away from the the overscheduled, hyperactive life that you're just, it seems like people have to live in, in the United States. Well, it's like what you mentioned earlier, looking for a slower pace of life. That's, that's our life right now. It's funny, I told my son-in-law just yesterday, when we come back to the States like we are now, we kind of feel like Neo when he comes out of the phone booth in The Matrix. <laughs> Every, we look like everybody else, but we're kind of not like everyone else anymore. And we're just so amused at everyone just getting so worked up about so little. Yeah, that's definitely the Latin lifestyle that you're living. Yeah, we enjoy, we enjoy it. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I'm looking forward to our next episode about some things that you really need to think about before making the move. Thanks again. So for the listener... We'll see you next time. Thank you. On Rock Your Retirement. Bye.